right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up today. It's all about making noise. Yeah. Yes, indeed, man. It's all about that fun, you know, that very distinctive sound that we call muscle cars, modern muscle, street rods. They've all got a tone, a texture, something that turns our head, and we love hearing them all. All of it. doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, there's something about, you know, you can get any kind of vehicle. Anything that goes fast at corners, it does it does whatever excitement you're uh, you're wanting it to do, whatever purpose. Uh, but there's something about when that sound kicks in. I mean, am I a daily driver? I almost forget sometimes. You know, if I got a couple of weeks where I'm just commuting all the damn time and then I get in my hot rod, like there's this push behind me, and it's not just the throttle pedal, man. Like there's this energy once I hit that gas, and then the wah, you know, like. Wow, it's something like I feel it in my gut. I feel it like it's almost like a little shot of adrenaline. Oh man, like, that's it, a cheap dopamine shot right there, bro. That's your mind releasing the love chemicals of of what that bra is doing, how it's moving you. That you know, tickling the tummy, that V eight sound that inspires you to push on the pedal even more. That's why drivers love driving. That's uh, encouragement. That's uh, that's the the cheers from the crowd roaring. You know, as you come out from underneath the tower, that's it in an audible form from your car. It's saying, "Drive me, push it harder. I need more fuel." Yeah, it's saying, "Go, go, go, faster, <laughs> yeah. more." Yeah, if you could translate, if Google Translate could translate that, that's exactly what it would say, right? Exactly. Say, I'm your Huckleberry. Go. Buddy, go. Yeah, uh, and there's there's no company out there that's really kind of handled the sound uh, quality and tuning and, and just the magnificent choir that comes out of the back of these exhaust pipes more than Magnaflow. I mean, these guys have been crushing it yeah. for decades and, and I think have one of the most superior lineups and products and quality. Uh, I mean, so much so that I got them on at least two of my vehicles. I got 10 cars behind me. Nine of them have Magnaflow on them. <laughs> uh, it's the same, man. There's something about that resonation, that tone, that 
that low end, you know, you got those those little knocks of the cam, right? And those 90 degrees burst and and there's this low sort of connection, this sort of Herculean sort of just kind of drone sort of connection of them all. It's just, oh, you get the, the rattle in there. And, and and I love that low resonation, that that sort of, uh, I don't know, inspiring notes and tones that, that they have and almost all their exhaust, man. It really does motivate you to drive and encourage you to to utilize that that throttle uh, just a little bit more. It, it puts a smile on everybody's face in the car. Yeah. Everybody around you, it's just, it's happy. It's an audible version of happy. And, and having installed and built and fabricated, I don't know, maybe hundreds of exhaust systems, uh, it's it's an art form, right? You're, you're trying to make, there's a certain note, certain frequency, whatever, coming out of the engine itself, the cylinder head. Uh, and, and, you know, it's got characteristics that, are, are fantastic, right? They're there, but it, it's about pipe lengths and diameters and, you know, capturing and, and, and stripping out certain frequencies or whatever that just enhance it, you know? Uh, it's like someone being able to talk, but then going to your favorite singer and them just bellowing out like the most beautiful, amazing sounds. Uh, there's, there's some additional things going on there than just uh, basic moving vocal cords. And, and I think that's what they do really well. And if you think about you know your exhaust system, it's doing different things. So, I mean, on the one thing that you want it to do is, is get rid of those drones. You know, when you get that rawr, right, right. rawr, you know, like just the awful noise. You gotta strip those out, but somehow you gotta keep the good sounds uh, on their way out the, on the exit side. So you can hear those, you know, and then you got the idle. But then you got the cruise where, you know, the idol, you want to hear that kind of, you know, I like the, I like the, that connection between those, yeah, just this volume is like, you know, that, that man sound. I don't know, man, that, that sort of just grunt that is a, a magna flow. It's just got something about that, that deeper end that, that is inspiring for sure. And the man behind it, the guy that literally gets to enjoy all of it. Like you talk about a guy that knows all of it, knows every, um, I bet you could probably set him down in front of some of his own exhaust systems and he will click him off, name them, the inch, um, how, what kind of bend it has, three inch, four inch exhaust, how long the muffler is. He'll probably drop the part number on you. Um, so Rich Waitis, Hits us up next, man, and he is the man at MagnaFlow. We talk to him out of SEMA each and every year. Uh, it's really cool. We got him on the podcast, so he'll be joining us in just a minute. It's Kevin Bird, Willie B. This is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And fired up today, we have Rich, our man from MagnaFlow on. Rich, it's great talking to you, man. Thanks for joining the podcast, my friend. Thanks for having me aboard today. All right, so how how long have you been at, at MagnaFlow? It's been a while. Uh, going on two decades here. It's uh, definitely a benchmark, I can say. Uh, I haven't been able to feel, so to say, but it's it's been a blast, <laughs> man. Uh, I can't say I've 
I could have been with a uh, bigger opportunity as far as personal growth, but also inside of the business that's really ever changing. Uh, who would have thought that we would have evolved this fast over such a shorter time as a company, but also as an industry? You know, internal combustion is making some leaps and bounds, and it's actually got a finite end coming, it seems, too. Yeah, we're in a weird turning point, you know? Like, uh, it just seems like in the last, and Will and I talk about it all the time, I and mean, we're in the heyday. Like the pinnacle of IC engines, the amount of performance, the, the you know the Hellcats and Red Eyes and everything out there, the GT500s, you know this new Z06 Corvette coming out with what 8600 RPM, uh, you know this uh, flat plane 55 engine. I mean it doesn't get any better. It's never been this good and on this trajectory. And here we are looking like we might be deadheading here shortly. Uh, so this is a odd sort of a uh, couple of years here where we're transitioning fading i don't know i'd like to see some competition where the ev and the gas are still duking it out for let's say consumer demand versus you know the weight of emission standards and costs and all these things to see if they still have a fight left in them it's an unusual position and to be quite honest it, i don't know that we've ever experienced something of a technological change like this where there's a mandate for a change. It's always been this natural progression. And uh, I've actually watched, I mean, go to IndyCar is a great place to look at, you know, how electrical has interfaced. I mean, yes, there's the whole E-series out there, but, you know, recovery on brakes, charging batteries, so they don't need alternators, which draw power from the internal combustion motor. All of those things are all things that are working together. And to be quite honest, these hybrid vehicles, uh, hybrid of ICE and electric is what I'm talking about in this case, are the ones that are probably the most interesting. And from a performance standpoint, I mean, God forbid, I know GM's got some plans, but if they put a Z06 motor in the back and they get a couple electrics up front for an all-wheel drive, 1,000-horsepower machine, I don't know how you can top that, but you can't do either of those things well without both in, uh, technologies integrated. But don't you think that's that's more points of failure, that integration? Because it looks like we've gone from more of a hybrid combination of both the battery or at least, you know, get the car rolling on the battery, then ice takes over. Sort of those hybrids are fading out and more all electric platforms are coming up. Do you think there's going to be a, a shift back towards the melding of the two or, or what are you feeling? Um, it's an interesting position because there's so much more than just the pure technology, obviously on the enthusiast end and racing end. Uh, we're already inundated with the idea that everything is at its limits, whether it's a 9,000 RPM internal combustion, small displacement motor, or a full electric that's capable of, you know, having the discharge capacity to provide the acceleration and current offsetting the weight. So whichever technology you're looking at, there's always those extremes we see in race, but uh, down to the consumer world, I think it's a, I don't know that we're really in that bad a position. And I think integration uh, at this point in time, and we've watched as these internal combustion motors have become more complicated with all of the, uh, I'll call them nannies is somewhat of a negative connotation, but they're there for a reason. You know, you can't neutral drop your um, uh, rental car anymore to do cool, fun burnouts, <laughs> but that was there to preserve uh -huh. the transmission. And that's an electronic, you know, nanny control that was put in there. Uh, same thing, you know, you've got these cars at rev match so that we're not putting excessive load on the motor. You get a better crisper shift with a manual transmission. And you've got all these other monitoring devices that are looking at things that we can't in these instant seconds when oil pressure drops, what should, what should happen? Uh, so, so the integration of electronics and internal combustion is already fairly well expanded uh, and now simply providing a means by which we can control a motor to offset some of the duties. Uh, 
I've more recently than not uh, become more aware of what's going on. I actually bought a new uh, e-torque motor from uh, a Mopar. It happens to be in a Jeep JL that we're working on as a company project. And it uses a supplemental electric motor for startup, start, stop, uh, supplementing power at low RPM ranges and cruising. So it's uh, it's pretty seamless. I'll have to say, if I didn't know that that motor was an e-torque power assisted 48 volt kind of partial hybrid, I would have never thought it was even there. So wow. I think the integration is becoming more and more seamless, but the forcing of it going to full electric in this fast of time, I think we're going to see more from limitations of supply, uh, the materials that we need in, in, in the uh, consumer market to recharge and then keep our vehicles charged than really anything else. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of the, as you mentioned, the hybrids, hybrids offer a lot because uh, they bring the, the regen and that's, you know, potentially 20, 30% improvement in efficiencies, depending on, you know, how you're set up. Um, so that's a huge, uh, let's say, drop in CO2 and whatever else, right? Um, but, you know, it's like Willie was pointing out, there's there's a lot more complexity, there's a lot more cost there because you're doubling up. And so, you know, I think what we're seeing is, you know, you know based on CO2 and other things and emissions, uh, we're having to go to something else. And, you know, I think the OEs are looking at the consumer and going, hey, we know consumers, they're going for lowest cost. You know, what can we give them in that, you know, how do we be competitive? Because if I give something expensive and the competition gives them something cheaper, 95% or 98 or 99% are going to go for the cheaper one. I think nobody wants to be left out to dry. But us consumers that really like the IC engine and like the noises, we're definitely going to be high and dry. Um, I just I just listened to that uh, Dodge Daytona EV uh, sound. I, I didn't want to because I, I really liked the pictures that I saw. It, you know, it grabbed me. I was like, oh, cool. You know, if you could give me EV cars that kind of look like that and you gave me a thousand horsepower maybe i'd be okay with it uh but knowing that we were talking about sound right and this is the these guys right here are the science of sound uh i thought man i should listen to it and it oh man <laughs> i was not impressed oh. really i you know what i didn't think it was bad i i, I was kind of well, so what were you expecting? This is always an interesting conversation. It's the expectation. Do you expect it to sound like a V8 or do you expect it? Because I, I thought it sounded more like a supercar than a muscle car. So uh, yeah. I was a little thrown off by that. But then did I expect it to sound like the muscle car? I don't think so because it can't. I, I don't want it to sound as a muscle car because muscle cars, that's my, that's my jam. I don't want it to sound like a muscle car because it's such an evolution away from it. Well, think so, about so think about some of the other sounds besides just the V8 that we kind of think performance-wise, and that might be turbo whoosh or turbo wine or or uh, supercharger wine, you're at gear wine. Like they have their own sound, and, and we've associated them over time with performance. Now, obviously, it's typically blended in with an engine sound, uh, so it's kind of a combination of things. But I was hoping they could come up with something that was its own thing uh, and then enhance that in a way that you know, kind of go all right it's not an engine but it it could be kind of cool and it just sounded like they took an engine sound and George Lucas went over to his synthesizer and and tried to make a computer version of an engine sound and I just I don't know it didn't it didn't catch me I don't know it's funny I didn't mind it I didn't mind it too bad I thought it sounded like a you know a, a a Maserati or a McLaren. Maybe it's the soundbite that I got. Yeah, what did you think, Richard? Was something that I thought was unusual because uh, it reminded me of a previous Mopar project. 
Uh, I'm a old car movies fan of any sorts, even the garbage trash ones I've watched at least once because it has a car in it. Uh, and if you go back to the movie, the Wraith with uh, Charlie Sheen, Mopar had a uh, concept car that they put and used in the movie called the, the interceptor, a turbo interceptor. And if you listen to the digitized sound, cause it was supposed to be this futuristic vehicle that had some kind of an electric powered motor, it's very similar. And it's funny that it came from Dodge and it's funny that it came from Skunk Works because this sound in the new vehicle sounds like a variant of that sound combined with what we would have in capabilities today in synthesizing a um, the V8 habits with the sound of this car, which was a turbo four cylinder that was a gas powered vehicle, but was given a sound in Hollywood style. Uh, and if you go back to that movie and take a chance to listen to it, you'll actually hear what I'm talking about. It has that same kind of digitized, almost Jetsons-like kind of simulation of what you think a motor would sound like in a computer versus the reality. So it kind of fits to what uh, you know Willie's talking about as being its own thing. But the, the tough part, and I think the part about Dodge is going to have a, a trouble with, is they picked volume as being their biggest selling point. It's like, oh, it's capable of 120 decibels. And don't quote me on that. It might be 130 even. But uh, the idea that it was a loud thing that would emulate uh, shifting, uh, acceleration, load. I mean, uh, they only gave us a couple of quick, quote unquote, free revs uh, to kind of understand what the sound was. But you I mean, what is that? what is that experience uh, outside the car when you're listening to it, does it just sound like an annoying crackling speaker? I mean, is it really a car? Does your brain make that emotional connection to that sound? Because the sound is what catches our attention. When you hear that car buzzing by right, the right. off ramp or on ramp, that's what we hear as we look to see, is this going to be one of those things? I don't know. Um, I thought it was interesting, but it didn't, uh, didn't, wasn't my cup of tea. So Rich, let me ask you, where, where do you see? So, I mean, before we jump full on in the, in the EV stuff, um, what do you guys see as that, as that, you know, you look out on the horizon, is that going to be where you guys shift your business model towards and, and to is, is figuring out those notes, tones, and, and the next evolution of what an EV performance type car is going to sound like? Well, to be honest, we've engaged in this directly. Uh, I mean, we've got some great partners in the audio world. Uh, we've had a few integration partners that have worked with OEs because you've heard BMWs, uh, even the new uh, Toyota Tundra uh, TRD Pro uh, has V8 sounds bled into it. So you don't hear the twin turbo whispering six that's underneath that are just on the internal car speakers. So there's a lot of these already present devices to kind of simulate sound, but they're only projecting inside. Now that we're doing it outside, I don't think the mechanics are a problem uh, in the sense of, you know, having the, the technology to do it, but really we can reproduce sound in a PA system and an amplifier on the outside. That sounds like, I mean, we listen to uh, car racing on our TV. It's possible, but is it what we want to do? And for us, yeah. we've traveled down this path. And honestly, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but the majority of our business is actually catalytic converters and building exhaust for maintaining these other vehicles. So the performance, sector we've entertained this we haven't given it a whole lot of credibility yet because i'm not sure that that consumer that wants the v8 sound is only looking for the sound they want the v8 experience which is the harmonics the vibration the feedback which i don't think a speaker is going to recreate so we haven't avidly pursued that uh but it is something that we've done the technological study for to understand what maybe what the consumer wants and to be honest we've seen some feedback from some other third parties that have out there and built some things when you're talking to the core car consumer, if it's not a V8, I don't care what you do to it, it doesn't sound like a V8. 
Uh, and that's something even with the speaker and a very good reproduction system, it, it, we're finding out that the end consumer wants the V8 experience, not just the V8 sound. I'd kind of go along with that. I mean, I'm sure everybody's different. Everybody's got their own likes and dislikes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, like I said before, I, I think I'd be interested, you know, whether it's the electric motor wine that's enhanced, tweaked, you know, try to, I don't know, if there is anything to capitalize on. If you can capitalize on some sounds, you know, magnify those, accentuate those, whatever, tweak them. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be loud, but it has to be inspiring. I don't know, because it would be weird just driving around on on just hell-raising quiet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> A thousand horsepower of hell-raising quiet just seems kind of bizarre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe we acclimate, because, you know, a lot of the younger generation... They go right to EV almost. They're like, what is all this smell and, and, and smoke and, and noise and just stuff? Like, you know, they, they think we're kind of crazy for being stuck on our old ways. Um, so who knows? Maybe we give it enough time and we look back and go, what were we thinking back then? What are these rattling traps that just shake everything? And, you know, who knows? But, um, yeah, it's definitely weird times. I'm, I'm not excited. I did. I don't know, but I'm interested in the future here. You know, <laughs> we like, have an interesting point there, and I think it's a it's an observation study that we've made. We've actually brought our an innovation group into the company that consists of a lot of the younger engineers coming out there, and a lot of the millennial group, and even younger. And the weird part is, is there's a resurgence of quote unquote straight pipe mufflers. Uh, you know, you hear that people wanting the burble, the loud raspy noises, uh, and it is coming from the younger generation. Uh, and as much as we thought going into this study that we would see more people wanting to engage in the more quiet world of EV, more efficient world, there's still the hot rod blood out there. Uh, maybe it's not as uh, notable, but it's definitely something that we have to give credit to, which is this younger generation is definitely going after it. I, I totally feel you. I, I host a lot of um, younger motorsports events here in Colorado, Slush Motorsports Festival, um, you know, and a bunch of nationwide events and, and things like that. And man, I think they've gotten louder. I think the, the youth of today is is with the verbal tunes and things like that. They want more noise, albeit maybe not the same as a muscle car. Dude, they're, I mean, nothing like two Audis going at it, you know, and a, and a you know, um, a two-step, you know, sound off, you know, just pop, 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 pop. Uh, it's insane. I, I really think it's, um, it's gotten just the opposite of that. More, uh, more youngsters want louder things, not quieter. Um, but let's, let's talk about it after the break. We got to take a quick one, and we'll be right back to it. Talking Magnaflow, what do you like on your car? And you know what? We got to give credit because when somebody starts a car, man, the right sound means everything we've all heard that one car that started up and it was underwhelming oh painful right <laughs> we'll discuss on the other side of the break it's two guys garage podcast kevin bird and willie b It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. Hi, I'm Willie B. We're fired up. We got Rich Waitus on from MagnaFlow. Hey, man, thanks for spending some time with us. And I got to ask, you know, we were just talking about, you know, different uh, 
different motorsports festivals you go to and, and the sound that certain demographics are looking for or seeking out. And, you know, I tend to lean more towards the old muscle car and more modern muscle. I think there's a definite distinctive sound, you know, in the modern LS and the Gen 3 Hemis uh, than there is some of the older big blocks, which I tend to, you know, fancy a, a little bit towards. But, man, um, dude, nowadays uh, I feel like, there's so many options and there's so many things for you guys to tune on. Like there's the engines are doing such unique things that you guys can really bring out, you know, a cam profile, um, a high end or a mid. Um, tell me about different engines and how you guys sort of try to hone in on the sounds that they're making. Well, we've really had to change up our product line in the sense it used to be just like, hey, we got a street performance, which is like a street legal, mild sound. And then we had like our competition, a little bit higher level, more for uh, the person who wants to be heard about that. Uh, then we have our race stuff, which is lightweight, straight pipe kind of things. But today it's more segmenting based upon the type of vehicle because performance cars range. You can have supercharged V8s, naturally aspirated, high revving. You can have small displacement turbos, but they all make distinctly different sounds and trying to bring out the ones that our consumers like uh, has been part of the challenge. So we've had product lines like our XMOD that give you two or three options, modular pieces to change out. I want louder. I want to put your muffler in that gives it a deeper tone, that kind of product line so that the consumer now isn't getting something that they don't want or can't change with a quick change of like a V-band clamp. Yeah, that's a huge one. The, the XMOD series, anybody who's not familiar with it, get on the Magnaflow website. Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. So for any any given vehicle, uh, like I said, you might have two, three. I, I think I even saw up to four choices on a Mustang, perhaps. Uh, so you can you can listen to each one, right? Uh, you know, they're all let's say quickly interchangeable with a V-band clamp. Uh, so you could buy a system, and it could be your daily, and you could have a great time with it. You could go road trips, whatever it is you want out of that. And then you go, well, man, I want to go to track. I want to have some fun. I want to go loud. I want to go whatever. And you can change it super quick without changing your whole exhaust system, right? You just drop out the key components. Uh, and if I remember right, Richard, um, I think I was looking at Mustang stuff a little while ago. I think all four configurations from, um, I'm just going to call it quiet to loud. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of differentiation in there. was only like, what, two horsepower difference between all of them. So you're, you're really changing sound, let's say, levels and let's... I don't know, quality, I don't know about quality, but just sound levels and styles. I don't know how you would absolutely how you yeah, would call we're, it. We're maintaining all the, the, the volumetrics uh, inside the muffler. We're not uh, changing really the cavity size or the tuned length of the exhaust system, but we're manipulating where we're putting the dampener devices. So sometimes you put an X in the middle with a muffler built around it. So we have this point of interaction. And to me, it's one of the more distinct sounds is having an X pipe that's located up front with a muffler around it or an unmuffled X. And you'll notice some very different noises like uh, Willie was mentioning was if you want that little extra metallic tinty noise of that cam exposing that uh, X pipe so there's no dampening around it actually accentuates that uh, metallic sound or that, that kind of uh, caminess of it. Whereas putting a muffler around that kind of detunes that and just goes more for a baritone note. And then like on that Mustang, we have tuned chambers in the back that even the factory actuators can be used to go between. So we can actually use what's already in some of the newer cars as the active exhaust to change between the modes that we set up and we tune differently than the OEMs have. Yeah, and this is exactly the kind of stuff why we like IC engines. They're, they're just, they're awesome. They, they provide, like we talked about before, like this core sound that you can just play with, manipulate with. Like it's the ingredients that you can go bake whatever your favorite recipe. 
uh, to make music. And and you guys have given us the opportunity to easily change that sound, uh, maybe by what you're doing or a different mood or, you know, different era of your life. You have kids and you need to quiet some stuff down. Who knows? Uh, it's just awesome to have that kind of uh, flexibility. Uh, and, and even just choosing, if you just choose one, you're not picking a single flavor, you right? You're looking across the, the lineup there and you're like, I want, you know, that's my favorite flavor right there. I want to put it on a, you know, on a cone and top it off with some sprinkles and boom, you're a happy camper, you know? Hey, hey Rich, can, can you walk us through the difference in what you would suggest for somebody that's got a big cammed LS3, you know, in a Chevelle compared to the old school LS6454 from 1970 or something like that? You know, you have certainly the, there's a similarity in the elements and the pieces, um, but notably they're they're making different sounds and, and you know, they're, they're really unique and distinct to those. What would you recommend for each of those kind of setups? Well, when you're looking at doing like a custom system, you know, I've worked with uh, uh, Kevin on this on multiple occasions and trying to get a sound that's desirable from an inside, you know, what you get feedback while driving versus what you hear on the outside. And when you're talking about here, were you talking about also a fuel injected late model versus kind of the carbureted big block? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very different in many aspects. Obviously, when we're talking about vehicles that have fuel injection, especially direct injection, variable valve timing, you really have an optimized airflow. And you don't get that nice choppy kind of sound you get out of a more, uh, I call it binary style of the carburation system. You've got a primary and a secondary. So you've got really two airflow kind of values that are there. And you're going to have two peaks where you're going to have this kind of optimal sound. And when you hit that sweet spot, I like when you're passing through those revs, it's usually right after peak torque uh, as you travel into peak horsepower is when you get that car to really wake up and give you that kind of full symphony of depth and tone. So kind of tuning in for that means one, understanding what it is you need to do for airflow. So get your tube diameter right uh, to pick an appropriate style crossover. And I'll be honest, uh, depending upon the vehicles we're working with today, we don't get to choose the optimal, which an X-pipe will actually outflow the H-pipe and as far as efficiency, but H-pipes provide a very different and distinct note. So there are some advantages if what you're looking for isn't pure horsepower and you're willing to sacrifice two or three on a 500 horsepower car, uh, you're not going to get as good scavenging, but you can get a different note as those pulses interact at different pressure levels a little bit differently from the sound standpoint. So uh, there are those kinds of concessions if you want to look little bit more of that classic tonality of a true dual exhaust that each pipe will give you that if you want more of the kind of uh, rpm doubling effect and that more exotic sound an x pipe will give you more of that sound uh and as you travel to the back you know where you place that muffler the the closer to the front of the vehicle uh versus the amount of tailpipe you have out the back behind that muffler and that tuned length of the pipe leaving that muffler to the tailpipe has a tremendous effect on the bass or tonality uh and the frequency that comes out so much like an organ or any other wind instrument, as you start to shorten or lengthen that note, we're creating a cancellation pressure wave that actually changes the tailpipe notes. So when you see a lot of these late model cars with mufflers at the very back, there's very little they can do to change their sound if you put a muffler back there as well. Interesting, wow, okay. All good stuff, man. We don't think about it, Willie. Um, you know, we're typically thinking our hot rods, they're, you know, they're within a range of length. Uh, and, you know, over the years, we've figured out what sizes and things to make all that uh, sound really great. Now you get a vehicle that's much longer and much shorter, or as Richard said, depending on where you can package your muffler, if you have very little tailpipe out the back end, uh, you might find yourself in a very 
uh, let's say uncomfortable spot from you know desired sound uh, all of a sudden you're you know maybe backed into a corner a little bit and you got to think through uh, how to get out of that uh, and Richard mentioned earlier um, I- I've got my little first generation M3 my BMW M3 but it's LS swapped and it's, it's a very tiny little car with big engine uh, so I was really worried about that myself because my my overall vehicle length was short and where the muffler packaging is, there's very little tailpipe. And so that's why I hit up my man Richard here to, to kind of help me walk through where and what components to try to get that sound out of it. And uh, you've heard that car, man. If you're anywhere near it, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Just fire up idle that, you know, and then just kind of <laughs> yeah, nice and quietish at, at cruise. But as soon as you get into that pedal, man, it just starts to rah. And uh, everybody, you know, the Ken Lingenfelter would be standing around like, man. I really love the sound of that car. You know, it, it doesn't matter who it is. It's got a great sound to it. But you got to have a guy like Richard or a company like Magnaflow. Uh, you know, when you get out of the norms, you know, the normal boundary conditions of uh, building an exhaust, uh, it, it can get tricky. Yeah, no doubt, man. And Rich, let me ask you before we run out of time. What about all the little badass smaller engines with, you know, nasty little turbos and, you know, all these cars from the new Supras to... You know, some of these, uh, you know, nastier platforms that are, dude, they're wicked nowadays. It's amazing how fast some of these smaller setups are. Well, most of those are being turbocharged, whether it's single turbo, twin turbo, sequential turbo. You know, they're all different kinds of uh, components that we're adding boost. And really, that's the thing we're looking at is within emissions compliance, smaller displacement means cruising is going to consume less fuel, uh, less CO impact but we still want power. So the only way to do that is to increase pumping efficiency by adding some kind of a boost element, supercharger, turbocharger. Turbocharger is definitely uh, something that we've seen in practice now being the most common uh, means because it's less parasitic on the motor when it's not in use, but uh, they also act as a silencing device. I mean, we're changing the dynamic of airflow. Uh, We don't have pulse flow for the exhaust. So now we have this device chopping up the pulses and repressurizing the system before and after. It creates a little bit of back pressure while it's getting to optimal RPM and it changes the floor more laminar towards the end. And in doing that, it changes the efficiency of the tubing and the muffler. So uh, the design of those systems is really gonna be based upon the airflow But I think when you're talking about what people want, you're not asking for that camminess because those motors just don't have it. You're not asking for that tinty kind of metallic sound because, again, the motors just don't have it. So when we're now looking at the sound, they want the whooshing. They want to hear the wastegate activation through the the turbocharger. They want to hear the turbo de-spool as it's coming down. And all of those sounds can be accentuated with the proper diameter pipe. And obviously our mufflers are straight through. So they're very conducive to like those wonderful turbo sounds, if that's what you're like. It's, it's all manipulation, man. It's all manipulation. Give me something to work with and let me show you what I can do with yeah, it. Yeah, so know? cool. I love it. <laughs> all right, man. Rich, how do people keep up with date with what you guys are doing, uh, the latest and greatest in products and everything else? So we're pretty much on every social platform and you can find us at, at Magnaflow if you're trying to find or tag us and ask a question. We do have an in-house tech team. So uh, if you don't happen to get through on our DMs or if you're uh, reaching out through uh, email, um, you can reach them obviously on our tech line. So we actually have live people on there and that's at 800-990-0905. And that's our in-house tech line with people. And I pick up those calls too. So when we get too technical, I'm actually available to the end consumer that way as well uh, or via email. And of course, you can always find us on our website and find the contact information there at www.magnaflow.com. 
Man, he's never done that before, you guys. Not once. That was his very first time. He's amazing. Hey, don't forget about our show, Air Weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Episodes also now streaming on Motor Trend Plus, which is a great way to find us. Thanks to our guest, Rich, my man from Magnaflow. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, producer Scoop, and executive producer Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, too, at twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us. We're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at twoguysgarage. Now, of course, this Two Guys Garage podcast is copyrighted. 2022, Brenton Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Hey, Rich, one final question for you. You ready? Yo. Out of all the old school big blocks, in your opinion, as a as a, a car guy, which one sounds the best? Oh, <laughs> such a question. That's not baited. You That's all. not baited. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I'm a big block Chevy guy, so uh, you give me an aluminum okay. block. Uh uh, go to that aluminum block, aluminum headed LS6 of the past. That that beast uh, from fire up and the squeakiness of the aluminum components. Uh, there's just such a distinct thing you hear, and to me, it's just an era icon when you hear that sound coming from whether it's a race car, or a street car. So I'm a little biased, but the big block Chevy wins. Okay, I'll, I'll give no, you I'll you. give you a little love there too, Richard. Man, that, that was a yeah, good man. call. That was a good call. I, I'm a 426 Hemi guy, even though I, I I prefer the wedge over the Hemi. There's some about the motor Hemi's that sound just amazing to me. Well, I can't be that one either. So let's just say big blocks are all pretty badass. <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> all right, oh, man, man. Take care, Rich. We'll see you soon, all right? Thank you. Thanks for being on, man. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something a little bit about sound. Um, for sure. We'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.